Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wandering Bear Sports Podcast, the number one sports podcast on planet Earth. Today's very special episode is brought to you by Caffeine Gum Australia. So Caffeine Gum Australia was designed originally for the US military, and Kate and I worked out that it was a pretty damn good product, so we imported it to Australia. Uh, it's got 100 milligrams of caffeine per piece. Comes in three really nice flavors in cinnamon, spearmint, and arctic mint. And do you know what? It's awesome. I'm not even going to talk too much about it. Everything, everything you spend there goes into supporting the podcast, which I am planning on going incredibly hard with this year. I mentioned it on last week's episode. So we've got two podcasts now. So this is the Wandering Bear Sports Podcast. So this will be more aimed at the elite aim arm of the game and I really want to try and promote rugby this year there's so many great stories in the game and so many great people and I don't think the sport and this is just my opinion I don't think the sport does enough to promote that I got a view that if you know someone's story and and some of the struggles they've been through you're more likely to support them and yeah I'm lucky enough to to have a lot of these guys uh, listen to me so I want to get their stories out there. I want to tell um, good things. I want to educate people. I want to educate myself. And that's where I'm going with this. So, yeah, that's enough ranting for today. Uh, You didn't come on here to listen to me rant, although apparently some people do. That is for the Loosehead Sports Show, which I almost forgot to mention. That's with me and myself and Jed Gillespie, uh, the Eastwood Fords coach. And we're going to do that nearly every week and try and get people on from the shoot shield and give people a real insight into what goes on in the most prestigious semi-professional competition without doubt in the Southern Hemisphere and possibly the world, you know, and maybe the galaxy as well. So that's every week. That's Loosehead Sports Show. This is the Wandering Bear Sports Show. And let's just get straight into it. Today's very special guest is the current head coach of the New South Wales Waratahs, Mr. Darren Coleman. Last week was part one, so if you haven't seen that, make sure you go back and check it out. This week's part two. Please enjoy, and yeah, that's it. Enjoy the conversation with Darren Coleman. I was having this argument about with someone recently about whether it's easier to change culture or create culture, and you're one of the very few people I know that have actually start, been at the start of a professional sporting franchise. Mm. So... In, in your view, is it easier to create culture or to change culture? Yeah, good question. Um, I just, firstly, I never really, I've succumbed a bit now to that word culture because I, mainly because I couldn't find another word good as it. But it's I a buzzword. To, yeah, and people say, oh, you've got a good team culture. And I'm like, I, I didn't mean to. As in, I I didn't mean to create culture. I just wanted. Uh, I, I called. I, I for a while there. I called team spirit. Mm, team spirit's a bit of a wank, but if you know when your team's got good spirit. Like when I always judge and I know when my teams are going well by how much laughter's in the locker room. If yeah. there's practical jokes going on and and boys are putting shit on each other, or even boys are putting shit on me. I reckon your team's going alright. Like if if guys are on eggshells around me and I aren't going to pull the piss out of me or, or, or crack a joke at me or find my imperfections, then we're not yet there yet. And we aren't with the Waratahs. All those young kids are still like a bit feeling me out. You know, know what I mean? They've never, 
yeah, when we broke a few barriers down at camp, particularly once we had a few beers, it was good. They seemed another side of me, um, yes. a bit more relaxed. Um, so I'd probably answer that question. I'd probably say starting a culture. Like it's a, it's you got two jobs changing the culture. You got to get from below zero to zero, and yeah. from zero up. Whereas when you're starting from zero, it's it's easier. I, I would think. Um, that said, though, I can't fault our culture at the moment. Maybe we've we're not good enough. That's a and teams could, could be. You can confuse culture with how good your footy team is. Like we yeah. like we had a pretty good footy team over there in LA. If we didn't play that well or I didn't have that good of players, I could have still had the same culture. Like we yeah. could have had that amazing culture that everyone pulled on the all hard, everyone had fun with each other, did all that. We just didn't have as good a footy players and we didn't win the comp. Like that's and then you say, Well, you've created a great culture. It's a bit of a misnomer that you go. They're always asking the winning coaches after championship seasons about their great culture. Um, and the result isn't the only measure of your culture. Um, yeah, there's things I look at the team I've got now. Um, we've only played one competitive game and we lost that. Um, and I've seen some things in that that I knew were not quite there yet, which I didn't expect to be there yet. Um, I'm super impressed with how positive and uh, how good of a team camaraderie there is in the Waratahs after the year they went through. Like generally any time I've been in or around, oh, I don't know, I've ever been a team that went 0-14 or didn't win a game. Like Usually people are turning on each other. Like there's, as soon as shits are trumps, like people are sticking a knife into each other and blaming other things. And they weren't. Like obviously Rob got, got moved on, which was, which is disappointing, but the other assistants, like Wits and Gilly, they stayed rock solid. The boys love them two coaches. Those two coaches love those players. They're great. All the young fellas in the team are great mates. Like even the new blokes I brought in, we brought in three or four new ones this year, and they're like, wow, this is a tight group. Like I go do some stuff to some little team building activities to, to, to wrangle the new guys in. So they're feeling comfy. Um, so yeah, they've got a good culture, but long-winded answer again i know but yeah i think it's definitely got to be easier to start from zero then if you're different than if you're taken over i just haven't done it for a long time taking over a team that already has a good culture yeah i've never been a winning team or franchise i've never been attracted to those ones like i like if i, f- I feel like we're in get we're, we're ready to win when okay. you when that, when you got there 100 percent. yeah there was no doubt on that they they already had a good culture. They were all local boys that had played the last five or six years together, all hitting that mid to late, mid twenties to, to late twenties. They were ready. They just never had a full time coach. That was the only difference. They just had a coach then that that marked them hard on on a lot of little detail things that they never had before. Um, so yeah, I definitely wouldn't say I I did much on that. It was a, a strange year, the two seventeen, because of Obviously, Lockie yeah. passing. Um, that was a bit of a high power. Um, but, yeah, no, I didn't have to change that. Um, I, I, did, I didn't have much success with East before that. And that's, funnily enough, one of the reasons I ended up at the Rats was because I lost my job at East. Um, I had two years 
two good years. Great time, good people. Uh, watched poorly, slaved there for the last four years. Couldn't quite crack it. Um, I don't know. It, that would be, I'd love to go back and do that again. Like as in, you yeah. know, with a, with a bit more confidence. Because once you have those years I had, your confidence in yourself and what you're doing is high. You, you know it works. So you, whereas when you don't, when you're not 100% sure it works and you're not getting the results you need, you start second-guessing yourself. You listen to a lot of different people. You're changing your tact on different things. You're not staying solid to things that, that you think are important. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's a good one. Like East have always, I think they've won since 1969 now. Like first guy that pulls that off, that's why that's what attracts me. I want to go back and do that before someone else does it. Like, it's, what, uh, what would you do? What would you do differently? At East? Yeah. Jeez, a long time ago now. I think, yeah, maybe more of an emotional connection. Uh, I got the power of an emotional connection from the rats experience. Like it's, and and footy has changed over time. Like it was when my dad played and I'd be in the sheds with him. He had a, there was a guy that cried. Like imagine a guy crying back in the, yeah, in the Impossible. 90s even. Yeah, he'd never cry for any mates, like particularly a tough footy guy. Um, be a bit more open around that. I'd definitely chip him on how much they party. I, I was probably half the reason as well. But East have always known. They've got that great clubhouse there. It's a, it's it's a good spot to have a beer. It's an amazing social scene. It's got the best social scene in one of in Sydney rugby. Um, and I probably just let that roll along. I reckon I'd, if I had another shot at it, I'd, I'd pull that up a bit, get a better balance on that. Um, yeah, so that'd probably be the two things. I'd try and get a better emotional connection with my team, uh, dig more on that aspect, um, and I would um, maybe try and slow them up on the cans a bit. It's interesting that you wouldn't actually change any rugby-specific stuff. It's the human element of it. Yeah, I haven't really changed how my teams play in the last... It evolves. You tweak it. I still ideas everywhere. The techniques and the tactical things change. But think about rugby. Like, you've seen that Saracens did that sneaky thing with the, the defensive ruck there to get closer to the box kicker. It's just yeah. a perfect example. You invent something, like in one day and it's gone. Like, all it needs is use it in one game. And if it's a ripper of an idea, everyone's stealing it. But in this case, if they decide it's illegal, then they rule it out. So I don't think 40 is, there's not too much between. I, I watch and listen to so much footy that... Yeah, I haven't. I think my teams have always been. You, you sculpted a little bit. Like the the rats team was interesting. We had we had a big, unfit, aggressive forward pack. Like we had a lot of big beefers, like um, Wardy, Jack Pompkin, Rory O'Connor, Sam Needs, Tom Priest. All these guys that were bigger, thicker set guys that love hurting people. And we had an amazing, but couldn't play multi phase footy. Like they weren't fit enough, even as hard as I trained them. They we couldn't go eight, 10, 12 phases, but we could whack in defense and we had an amazing counter-attacking team with um, Josh Holmes, Harry Jones, um, Belchier, those guys. So, and then we had a really good tactical kicker in either 
Hamish Angus or Miles Dorian. So we tweak our game plan to we don't we're just as good without the ball. Like teams, if if we're smashing teams and we defended well and hit hard, teams get intimidated and, and frustrated with that. And then we can strike off turnover and we don't play much footy down our own end. We don't try and play multi phases in our own end because we've got two good kickers at 10. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely adjust a little. And you've definitely, as you get older, you get smarter, you, you talk to more coaches, you see more footy. Um, but the, really the principles of the game and what wins games of footy is the same. And because every coach is within five degrees of separation in that, what's the fucking, what's the magic potion to win it? Yeah. I believe it's, I believe it's that mental toughness and that love for your teammate and that team spirit that are going to make guys defend their own D zone and are going to make guys be calm under pressure and stick to the plan in the A zone. You can, as I said, if the game's won at either end of the field, so if you're tough in your own end and you're clinical at the other end, you're going to win more than you lose over it. And to win championship, you only need to win 60% of your games, like in tight, in good competitive leagues. It's not like you have to do it every week. You just got to, you got to, you got to six, maybe seven times out of 10, and you can win a championship and get it right on the right days. A couple more questions for you, then I got some rapid fire and I'll, and I'll let you go. Just, just talking about the game style or the game model, whatever you want to call it. When you, when you walk into a new team, you've obviously got your ideas on how you want to attack, how you want to defend, your idea on how the game should be played. Then you, but then you've got your athletes, so they've got to be able to play the game that you want. How, how much of it is moulding the game to your athletes versus moulding your athletes to your game? Yep. And then, ha- and then, how do you go? How do you go about implementing that? Because that's that's the next challenge. Because I, I imagine you got to say, "This is where I want to go," and then work backwards from there. Is that how you attack it? Yep. Yeah, I, I know what I want a game to look like, but as I said, with that rats team example, I didn't have the aerobic capacity in a forward pack, nor the skill to be a high passing team. Like I watched, um, for example, Cronies teams. For example, we had a couple of great years there of battles against them, against Norse in. The 217 grand final, and we knocked them out after the bell in the 218 semi. And we played each other something like four or five times in the both seasons, like seven or eight. And he was always a really high passing team. Like his forwards would interplay a lot. They had some really skillful guys like Sinks and that that could shift the ball and um, they passed a lot. Whereas we were more a one pass carry team. Um, same, we went to LA. Uh, I, I like a, a high passing team. I, I like to be able to move the ball around teams. And we had a sharp, obviously sharp team. We got, we got spanked in about round seven. It was our first loss for the year. And teams sort of slowed our ruck ball down, belt us, beat us physically at the tackle, slowed our ruck ball down, then got line speed. And we didn't have a plan B. We weren't... Um, uh, we weren't tactically stupid with our kicking. We didn't have a hard carry game. We had we beat teams with deception and and lots of ball movement. So then we went, we've got to go back to the drawing board because now this team's just found the blueprint. Everyone else is coming at us that way. So we had to work on a more blunt force, latched carriers, all that stuff I don't really like, but how to dent the line and get it going forward. Um, and we sort of 
became a 50-50 team on that. We had different scenarios when we would uh, tuck and, 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 and just try and use brute force and other times we'd try and use deception. I've gone into this team now in the Tars. The first things that struck me were the size. We're a really small team. And by super standards, very small, very young. But as I said earlier, fit and fast. Fit and fast and skillful. So we're going to have a crack at being a high ball movement team. I'd like to think over time our stats will reflect that, that even within the forward pack and in our forward shapes, there'll be lots of little, lots of ball movement, lots of tip-ons, lots of pull-out-the-backs, that sort of stuff, and try and move the point of attack around. So, yeah, you definitely got to... You've got to you've got to adapt. Like if I had, I wouldn't be as worried. If you can't through blunt force run through a team or get line bend or win contact, you've got to move the point of contact. So you get more one on ones when you carry. And if I haven't got the cattle to run over people, then we've got to figure out how to go around the storm. So yeah, yeah. I, I would um, I would do that. I didn't have to change too much because these guys were just young, fit, fast and skillful anyway. So I've just now got them believing or hopefully believing is that that's how we're going to do it. And um, and then it's picking which horses are important, which which areas are important in training. You can't do everything. Like you, you just haven't got time because of training loads and how much there is in the game of rugby. It's such a beautiful game with so many intricacies. You can't be good at every part of the game what are the big ticket items? That was what my next the, question. <laughs> yeah, what, what are the what are the things that are going to make a difference? I can't if we're not a we'll box kick, but we probably won't box kick as much as other teams. So if I'm picking a nine because you can only use the best box kicker, or I'm riding my wingers, I'm picking wingers that are good in the air. Yeah, but my te- my team is a ball movement team, and I'm not picking the most explosive, dynamic ball runners. Well, what am I doing? Like, am I? Yeah. I'm giving mixed messages. I'm not even setting my own mind. So, um, yeah, you got to figure out what way you want to play. Look at your start. You you're playing cattle. Figure out how you're going to do it. Emphasize to your team that's how you're going to do it. Make them believe in that system is how you're going to do it. Then spend your time practicing that system for the most part give them a little a, a little plan b here and there but um yeah that you you can't be good at every part of the game it's just it's just haven't got time to get good at every part of the game how, how do you look at that so in, in terms of, of training do you just go for the the biggest bang for your buck stuff or if you've gone to say monday your breakdown was not as good as it needs to be you'll spend a little bit more time on that the following day is is there a way that you think about that I think, yes, you've got to do remedial work. There's no doubting that. I always, remedial Mondays is sort of where we, unless contact with on a Saturday, Saturday turnaround, you wouldn't do too much contact on a Monday. But generally in a week game week, you would do some remedial work, some things that weren't good the week before. You look at what you're going to install, what change ups you're going to run at the team this week. But just in how you, well, the two things I, I, I sort of go by is, as we touched on in that level three, was what is my philosophy? If my philosophy is um, that my boys have fun, they care about each other, and we play an open style of footy, when I'm writing my session plan, those three things have got to be in, in my eye line 
if if you don't if they're not coming naturally because you can go and make a session plan and go, fucking hell, that was a ten eight hundreds. There's no one's going to have fun in that. Or did I at the end of train and make sure we all had a laugh? If if fun is a big part of what you're doing, then so I would say whether it's culturally or whether it's tactically and technically, have the big ticket items written or to the side. So when you do your session plan, they're the first things you plug in. So you're not skimping on time for them. And you go, well, geez, I wouldn't mind doing some box kick and chase. I'll do it. Oh, I've only got three minutes left for that. Well, that's all it gets. If you take away, if that becomes 20 minutes and, you, and your interplay amongst your forwards is what you want to stand for, and that's only got three minutes, well, then you've got it asked about, I'd reckon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that'd be probably how I'd do it. I'd just try and... And, and just that, um, we're lucky. We got, we got them full time. So our mornings are weights and what we call meet, learn skill, where we, it can be anything. It could be a meeting. It could be a walkthrough of learning something, or it could be a real stationary, low impact skill. I never really do too hard field sessions in a day. Like the body just can't take it this much anymore. They, they're all thoroughbreds now. You end up, end up breaking them. Um, so we'll do meet, learn skill. And weights in the morning or in the a.m the first block and then we'll do our heavy field session in the afternoon and you can do all your walkthrough all your clarity all your stationary pass stuff all your line out work then and then i like to think that that pm session we're not asking questions when we're on the field like we're just ripping into it it's whatever yeah. it is it's 75 minutes it's six kilometers it's whatever it is we're just we're just head down ripping into it we don't even stop too much to coach unless it's a disaster I'll let things go and pick them up on video later rather than break the vibe of the session. And, and it's about dual purpose now. Like I've got S&C guys that, that want certain conditioning effects. If I don't, can't give it to them through the footy aspect, then they're going to steal 20 minutes off my session and run them. And so I'm like, no, no, give me a shot here. I can, with a game or a drill, I'll, yeah. get, the conditioning, I'll get the conditioning effects you need, whether it's accelerations, long distance running, up, down, whatever it is, give me a shot at inventing something or my coaches to invent something that gets that in. If we fuck it up, we'll adjust it and we'll get it right the next time. But I don't believe in, if I go, I've got to do 20 minutes of conditioning and 20 minutes of catch pass skill, not that you would do it like that. So you do both then, that's 40 minutes. If I can come up with a game that gets conditioning and catch pass skill in and, and do, it, do what we both need in 25 minutes, well, I'm more valuable. Yeah, I got 15 minutes in the bank to to do something else. So, yeah, that'd be it. I I, I do my session plans, and then I uh, before I pump them out, I sit on them for a night. I go back to them again in the morning, and and just make sure did I hit everything I need. We're lucky now. We we key everything down the side. And this is not revolutionary. I'm sure coaches are that we key everything down the side, whether it's attack focus, defense focus, or if it is attack v defense which coach is leading it because they probably get the rails run. So if it's me leading it, it's might be 66% attack focus, 33% defense focus. Gilly doesn't get to jump in every, every rep on run yeah. the drill, but then that's all collated. So at the end of the week, my sports science comes back to me and goes, we've just done uh, our 20 of attack. We've done 60 minutes of defense. We've done 14 minutes of breakdown, blah, 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 blah. And you can go, one of the things I, I had with Gilly, who is a really good coach, a really sharp uh, coach and a 
comes through the pathways. You can tell he's his footy. And he was the one coach in my staff I didn't know. All the others I, I knew when I come. So getting to know Gilly was the was the relationship I accelerated the most. And mate, he's sharp. He, he knows his footy. Fear's biggest complaint prior was he just didn't feel he got the time he needed on defence with that team. So yeah. and then the Tars leaked 40 points a game. He's copping heat on it. Well, I go, mate, I can't hang out to dry if I'm not giving you the time you need to get it right. So I've even to a point probably let defence have more time than I've traditionally had. I prefer to me to take the heat on our offence, not being as sharp. But if our D is, they always hear teams saying it, you get confidence out of your defence. Yeah. And it's a misnomer, I reckon, in, in that we get, we get confused by rugby league. Like teams say in rugby league, there's a definite uh, greater energy expenditure in defence than there is in attack. Like you've got to go back 10 metres. If teams get repeat sets in the league, they, they're, they're almost going to score because the, the fatigue possession is massive in league. Because in union now, it's actually not. Teams are regularly winning games with less ball. Yeah. It can be boring, but you look at the energy expenditure of defence. You make if you, as long as you're not leaking, like as long as you're not getting your line bent and they're making meters over the game line. You make a tackle. Two people are in it. The tackler and another. They're fighting hard. They're causing that into a bigger ship fight. Everyone else is just standing back one meter. The attacker got to realign. They're the ones that have got to go backwards and and, and find depth to be able to play again. So if you're comfortable in defence, and it's sort of heart back a bit to that. Rat stays like I had them believing in the end. I'd say the longer these guys have the ball, the closer we are to scoring. So once that gets up to eight, ten phases, and we're bashing them for eight or ten phases, we've got the best counter attack team in the world. We'll turn it over, we'll score on you within one or two phases off that turnover, and and you're just demoralized. There's nothing worse than having the ball for ten phases going nowhere than conceding the line break straight away. Um, so but yeah, that, that's sort of how I structure things a little. And um, but yeah, it's for me, mate. It's a it's a big challenge as well. Like I've had things that have worked in lower level leagues. I'm not. I'm a rookie coach. Like I sit in on the Super Rugby coaches meetings, and I'm quiet as a church mouse. Like I've got no runs on the board. So have you me, been just, Have you been learning much as you as you've been doing it? Like, do do you do you still look at it with a sort of beginner's mindset? Yeah, you got to. Like you can't. In and around the shoot shield, I was pretty confident. Obviously, I'd, I knew I knew what I thought it took to win. I knew everyone in the league. Everyone knew, knew of me. Whereas I go to coaches' meetings or referees' meetings in Super Rugby, they're like, who the fuck going calm? Like, so you just you sort of yeah. sit there and you you got to learn. I, I love I love uh, I love talking to people like that. Rugby Australia have been really supportive since I started. Dean Benton. There's a sports science guru, Jono, who just passed, or just not passed on, but just moved on. Um, Yeah. yeah. Like those guys are really good for me. Like they're, particularly Jono, he's a real lateral thinker and he's making everyone's cup of tea. But I loved how he'd challenge me. So why are you doing it like that? And force you to think why you're doing it, why are you recruiting that bike, or why are you you doing it that way? Um, So that was good. Um, I'm lucky. I'm great mates with Matty Taylor and Scotty Wiseman at the Wallabies. So I'll, I'll pick up the phone and go now, particularly now they've finished the lion's share of their work. And I've actually got an hour with friends tomorrow morning. I don't know him. So I'm looking forward to 
to getting to know him and build a relationship with him. But I'm definitely not uh, bullish that I know it all. Like I've got some key things I think work. But yeah. I am what I am. I'm a rookie coach. I haven't won a I haven't won a Super Rugby game yet. There's there's guys out there that have won championships and there's there's bloody franchises like the Brumbies and the Crusaders that are I've been winners for years on years on years. So yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely uh, at the start of the race. I got a lot to do, but I'm excited by that. But it's it's funny. Um, I was lucky enough to do a podcast with Wayne Smith a few months ago, and uh, even after good. even after all he's done, he still has the same beginner's mindset, mm-hmm. mate. So it's a good sign. Have you got time for a few rapid fire questions? I've taken up a lot of your time already. Just a couple of quick no. ones. Oh, good buddy. If you could see where I am, mate, I'm under a nice tree on the headland. <laughs> I got the, got the ocean in the background. I'm I could yarn all night. No, it's all good. I'm not very good at rapid answers, but you can fire the questions as rapidly well, as you want. Well, they may or may not be. <laughs> <laughs> um, this this one probably isn't a rapid fire answer, but it, it's something that I got asked for the first time this year, and and I ask all the coaches that I I, I get to speak to because it's it always has a good answer. But why do you coach? Um, yeah, you'd love to say, first and foremost, you'd love to say the, that fulfillment you get when guys do well, like other guys do well, and that's a big part. But, geez, it's hard to go past that ecstasy of a winning change room. Like uh, I, that, I talk about people's nirvana, that there's a period in a change room after a win when nothing else matters and there's, Guys standing arm in arm singing their club song. Uh, it's maybe not the main reason, but if there was a moment in time you live more for, it's uh, it's that. That's a good answer. We've talked briefly about coaching philosophy, um, and I wouldn't mind just going over it one more time. Do you have a coaching philosophy, and is it, is it important for young coaches to have one? I know you kind of answered that already. Yeah, I think I said in that lecture, I'd, it's a bit like that word culture. Like, I didn't really know what it means. I was doing stuff in and around that space without knowing it. Um, it wasn't until I had to do that presentation. I had to think, what is my philosophy? Do, what, what do I care about? Uh, what do I make sure? And it, it actually, it was good for me to do it because I believe having fun, your team having a good vibe and a, a good, fun, hardworking environment is is crucial so that'd be my number one and i got to make sure that and i haven't done a good job so far the task because i've been so hung up on those other things like building their confidence making them tough tough i've forgotten so far at the end of a session that to do something that's fun or crack a few more jokes or make sure there's a bit more laughter in in team meetings or in and around the place so i just whether it's you're winning that makes the, the locker room laugh or whether it's because you're laughing in the locker room that makes you win, I'm not sure if it's chicken or the egg on, on that one. Yeah. But I do know one thing. Whenever my teams have a lot of laughter in the locker room, it's a good year. Love it. Do, do you have a mentor or someone that you go to for advice on coaching or life or human beings or fatherhood, yeah. anything? Yeah. Yeah, my, funnily enough, again, you don't realise it when it's around you, but my dad would be the number one by a long way. And he was just a, 
old rugby league, Penrith rugby league player, um, moved up here to South of Stocks where we are now and and just all the little things he used to say that like what I feel like um children should be seen, not heard, don't be a big head, um, be kind to women, um, uh, walk when the walk when the umpire's fingers up, don't argue to the referee. All these little things that were just all old school values that now you're older, you go, that was so true. Like if I, if you live by most of them, you're two thirds of the way to being a good bloke, I reckon, and, and things been good. So dad was just, yeah, all those things, whatever you put into something, you get out of it. Um, you're not playing if you don't train. Uh, it was a bit of a hard ass, but so yeah, he, he was clearly my, my main mentor. As I got into professional coaching, Andy Friend was probably my next. Uh, he employed me at a few different teams. Uh, really good. Um, just a, a selfless human. Like, um, had mixed success at different times here in Australia. But over in Europe, he continually carves it at every team he's got. Um, just really... Um, we do not as much now. I don't know. It's, I probably should more. But I, I'd text him once a week. And I'm actually just asking him last night about the their COVID situation, they're starting to get games postponed. We're about to head into this. It's like we're into another rough patch of it when we get back. How do you how do you navigate through that with a professional team? And so yeah, Andy Friend would be one. And really early when I was a development officer, there was a great old man and he was actually wise his mentor as well. A guy named Brian O'Shea, Fox O'Shea. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. 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 He used to write all the old um textbooks like the level one coaching thing way back in the day and I did a few tours with him we'd go around the country doing coach safety seminars or whatever it may be and um just a good old bloke he was an old university professor so he was a fountain of knowledge and wisdom and and he always said one thing to me which I've probably the one thing that's, that's guided me most he said they, they never go to a team on top there's only one way to go <laughs> so I uh I've never, I've never signed with a team that was a, a top two or three team the year before I got there. Usually because they're not changing the coaches anyway. But yeah, true. I just, yeah, I just prefer to, uh, I prefer to go to the Battler and, and and have a crack at that. Do you listen to many podcasts? I do. Yeah, I do a lot. I do. I, I used to be a good, reasonable reader, but podcasts are just so much more time efficient now. Um, I'll get on my bike, I sit on my exercise bike or I'll go walking and I've listened to most of yours. I listen. Uh, yeah, I love them. Like I just, and, and I remember going to coaching courses when I was a kid or, or not a kid when I was a younger coach. Sometimes it wasn't what they said, but it was the train of thought they'd set you off on. Like I remember yes. sitting on one that Alan Gaffney said something one day in a, in a conference I was in and I started, it set me off onto this, idea around my team's attack and I started writing that 25 minutes I pulled my head up I can't multitask I'm shit multitasker and I I didn't hear another thing he said for the next 25 minutes but I came out with a real good attack plan for my team that year so podcast uh just anytime you listen to someone speak it may not be every you can't use every idea like I listen to all the Pat Lamb ones you did one he was on another one I heard got some great ideas off him. And then I, I write them all down. And I'm going, I haven't got time to administer every one of those ideas at, at training. Like he did a great one. Remember he said something about every time someone dropped the ball, they had to come to him 
And and he wouldn't ball them out. He just wanted them. They had to tell him why they dropped the ball, where they're not looking, where their fingers not spread, where their hands not up, where they're not reaching for the ball. And but that's a great idea because you it's always one of the mysteries in coaching. You go when a guy drops the ball, how much do you ball him out? You can't. You can't really, like he didn't mean to drop the ball. Like he could be a great catcher. He just dropped one or. So then the next bloke drops it and you go and your team session sort of battling a bit because blokes are dropping the ball. But then you look around, it's like seven blokes have all dropped one each. So is that, what is it? Um, but yeah, those little ideas, like, okay, I'll take that idea and I'll use that as a ripper. You ain't got time. Every time one of my teams drop the ball, I haven't got time for everyone to come in and do it. But, um, but now I've got good assistance. I find um, uh, I can do more of that. But yeah, in answer to your question, I do love, I love anything that just gets you thinking differently or more about what you're doing. Does it change where you're actually going with it? Maybe not, but it probably just adds a bit of polish on to what you're doing. Can you throw out any names of podcasts you regularly listen to or you'd recommend? Oh, jeez. Um, I tell you, um, Andrew Hill at New South Wales Rugby, he's got that positive podcast. He's got yeah, more that's time. A good one. I'm, yeah, I'm not a... I'm not a. He did all the shit shield coaches, which is good. I really enjoyed some of them, and but then also he just pops up random, uh, random ones that he finds wherever he finds them. I don't know. And then I've loved most of them. Like the odd one, you go, oh, it's a bit boring, and you might not get through it. But for the most part, um, yeah, I, I'm actually looking for more suggestions. I walked this morning, and I, I listened to one that I'd, I'd heard before because I'm out of them. So if anyone's got them for me, I'm I'm real keen. Uh-huh. Um, you would like the High Performance Podcast. It's a really good one. Yep, yep. Uh, the Great yep. Coaches Podcast, that's also very, very good. And it's not just rugby. There's like wrestling coaches, boxing coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're kind of my two go-tos at the moment. But uh, for anyone listening, New South Wales Rugby do have a podcast WhatsApp group that they share podcasts on every week, which is definitely worth being on. Um, you, you mentioned reading. Are you still reading much? Do you listen to audio books? No, that I kind of- find, mate. Yeah, I find I I used to be a reader because that was your main source of information, but I've had the same book next to me on my big stand. But I, I find now I go back, I watch heaps of um, Netflix documentaries and like those, I find they're just more time efficient. Like I'm watching 14 Peaks at the moment around that. How good so, is that? Um, yeah, there's guys from Nepal there that are, that are climbing and um, what I watched the other day, River Runner. Like, I like all those human interests, um, yeah. like where people do stuff they're not meant to be able to do. Um, yeah. uh, Amazon, I, I, I loved all the... Um, the All or Nothings? Yeah, all those All or Nothings, those team follows. Um, yeah. I, I like all them as well. Um, I particularly like them from other sports. Um, yeah, Sammy Harris has actually just got one coming out with the Austin boys. I want to say that. That'll be good. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I agree. I'm excited. I like Sammy's work, so I'm excited to, to see how that goes. What have you changed your mind on lately that you used to be certain about? Ooh. I reckon the biggest one I switched to and from on the tactical side of the game, depends on who my defence coach is, is around the, the line speed versus line connection. Around that, like um, some teams a couple of years we're getting I've had D coaches that, that go right we're gonna be we're gonna leave space on the edges of the field. We're gonna get we're just gonna fly off the line and we're gonna cause error through line speed and just be animals. 
Yeah. And I've had others that'll go, okay, geez, I like that because you don't want to defend for too long and you can you, you can you can get the ball off quickly that way and you can get a real intimidatory aspect to your team. Hoylesy was very line connection to mate, we'll just soak up, we'll uh, no one out of the line, let's be soft on the edges, all that. Um, and in the end, I end up back in my D coach because he's the one that's got to coach it. I can't make him coach something that I like. But if you ask me what is the best system, I'm I'm not sure. And and if you want to use that really aggressive line speed focus, you've got to you got to start training that in your preseason. It's a whole different fitness component and a and a real animal mentality to do it. Rats, we had it. Uh, Gordon were a bit more conservative. LA were very conservative. Gillies. Gilly's probably more on the conservative side. Um, but then you watch some European teams, like Sean Edwards and that, when they were there a few years ago, the different international, the Welsh originally, like the box at the moment, like they're just fucking flying off the line, whacking blokes, and it's hard to get around them. You, you, you sort of get stuck behind the line. So I see those teams do it and pull it off, and it looks so good. I've never had a D coach nor the balls to implement that. So that's probably tactically, that's the one thing. I think with the attacking side of the game, your tactics just get shaped in the end by what the refs are doing. If the refs are, if the refs are rewarding the defensive side of the ball, real quick on the jackal, uh, all that sort of stuff, then <clears throat> it's negative, but it's not worth having the ball for too long, particularly in your own end of the field. If the refs get really hard. An edict comes out, some sort of rule, cha- like uh, new, what's the word, policy or interpretation of maybe the jack He's got to show a rule, much better daylight on the clear release, or he can't go on two hands. And they get that in their bonnet and they start <clears throat> pinging it real hard. Well, then you go, well, there is pain having the ball. So, unfortunately, I believe the attack, tactical, whether you attack or whether you kick, is decided a little bit by what the referee is. Like now at the moment, you, they've brought in the, the latcher going off his feet. Now, every latch <laughs> till yeah. date, up till now, he, the latches ended up off his feet. So all of a sudden, you can't now. If you can't go off your feet when you latch. That's you almost going to bring the jackal jackal back into the yeah, game. Yeah, I agree. And it's going, well, do you want the ball? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's I, I changed my mind on that deep policy based on who my D coach is, but it's not within the season or within the same team. It's just when I bounce from team to team, staff to staff, and I tweak my conservativeness in attack based on what the refs are doing a bit, a little bit. This one might be a tough one to answer. I certainly found it tough when I was asked recently. What are you world class at? Oh, geez. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good right here now with a few schooners sitting watching me. <laughs> that was my that was my answer too. <laughs> watching, watching the sunset. I'm pretty good at that, talking shit on a footy about footy. Um oh mate, I geez, I don't know. I think you could you want to stay humble on those things, don't you? Um I think if there's any one thing my dad gave me was an ability to get people together. Like whether it's socially whether it's a sporting team, whether it's the... And I notice my kid do it sometimes, which makes me so proud. He'll go and... He'll go, we've actually got a, 
a Malaysian cook saying one of my brothers owns pubs and he's thought he's Malaysian cookout for Christmas has never had an Aussie Christmas and he's quiet, can't speak much English. And my little boy spending all his time making sure he's comfortable and bought him a Christmas present. And all that. So I think just that, that bit of that compassion, a bit of that making people have a good time together and, and, and appreciate each other. I think if that's one thing I'd, I'd like to think I'm good at, it'd be that. Two more for you, mate, and I'll let you go. If you have to give one piece of advice to any aspiring coach, what would it be? Um, coaches, advice to coaches. Um, just enjoy what you're doing. Like, you know, it's cliche, but it's it's a it's a you get um you get so stressed about the result, particularly if they're aspiring and, and want to go up the levels. The journey's half of it. Like, I don't see this year. This might be my, this will be my, I guess, my most high profile and important appointment that I've ever had, the one I'm going into. I definitely know it's not going to be the most enjoyable or I'm not going to look back when I'm 60 and go, remember the 220. Hopefully I do, but I reckon I've had more fun. I'm going to have had more fun at other teams and and made, probably made better fun. We'll make better friends. You know what I mean? Like you just, you look back and some of the greatest seasons you had in your life when you just had good people who were just having a good time, working hard, you are winning, it was a bonus. So just, again, one of dad's ones, don't forget to stop and smell the roses along the way. This might tie into the, the next question and the last question. What advice would you give 18-year-old Darren Coleman? Oh, Jesus. Ah, geez. <laughs> be a fair bit around <laughs> around girls. I would have done a lot better if I was a bit bit wiser now. I tell you. Um, <laughs> the, um, um, probably. Oh, for me, I I butchered a few jobs, and probably got a reputation at points in my career through my social habits, and I would have probably. Wouldn't have changed what I did. I just would have done them a bit more discreetly. Like as I said, I think one of my gifts is I can can get people having a good time, whether it's socially, whether it's on a footy field, uh, can connect people. I probably just didn't need to be the loudest, biggest buffet in the room to do that. Um, yeah. Whereas back then, I probably was. Mate, that's that's all I got for you. I, I really appreciate this, mate. You've been incredibly generous, uh, mate. Any, anything you want to finish on? get out to people but, i imagine this podcast will get a ton of listeners so any, any christmas I'll, messages anything no all good mate no just uh, enjoy all your enjoy your christmas new year's and uh well actually i'm up here in paradise get up the southwest rocks get out up into the into the bush towns up into the coastal communities and uh spend your money because they're uh, they're battling a bit up here at the moment um yeah no i appreciate what you're doing Charlie. it's really entertaining as i said i've I listen to just about every one of them, and you, and you, uh, bar this one, you generally interview good people that are that have got something to say. <laughs> Mate, and, uh, sorry, go. And I was I about look forward to, uh, yeah, and I look forward to watching your teams go this year. It'll be uh, are, uh with Todd in charge there, and and some good blokes like you helping him. I reckon I'll have a good year. Enjoy. Mate, thank you so much. Enjoy the sunset, and um, see you soon, hopefully, bud. Good on, Charlie. Take care, bud. Catch you, mate. Thank you. 
All right, guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Part two of DC will be out next Wednesday. Please make sure you check out the Loosehead Sports Show with me and Jed Gillespie. And make sure you subscribe and like on all the socials, guys. Thank you so much for all your support. Have a great week.